Welcome to another episode of Doubtfully Daily Madigo, a short podcast never longer than it needs to be, where I get to discuss whatever happens to be on my mind. And today, it's a book. So, a couple of weeks ago, I pretty much gave up reading things off the internet. Um, there are still a few websites that I go to, but by and large, the vast majority of the things that I've been reading over the last couple of years um, have all tilted towards an ideology that I find to be incomplete. And it just makes everything unreadable because not everything needs to be put through a lens or whatever other language people want to use to try and alter a spin or, or to add a spin or whatever. But all, all of that's neither here nor there because I've been reading a lot of books by people way smarter than I will ever be. And one of these books is um, one of the last things that was published for Stephen Hawking. Um, and I say for because it was published after his passing. And, and this is his uh, Brief Answers to the Big Questions book. And in it, he tries and tackles, or he tries to tackle um, 10 big questions that people often ask, and some of which haven't really been answered. And he puts his thoughts down as to whether, like, for example, is there a God, yes or no, he gives his opinion of that, how did everything begin, is there intelligent life, and a lot of these are really good questions, um, because it makes us sit down and think, and not only think, but think rationally. Like, we need to be able to take all of the things that we know, and all the things that we think we know, and the things that other people have said, and the things that we may not like to think about and put it all together and try to come up with something that answers these questions. And it's a pretty decent book. One of the things I like about a lot of Stephen Hawking's books is that um, they're not very expensive, which means that just about anybody can afford them. And this book here, The Brief Answers to the Big Questions, is a prime example of that. If you were to go and get the Kindle version, it's $6. It's not ridiculously expensive. Um, if you want a hardcover or paperback, then of course it's a little more expensive because those are tangible physical objects. But if you just want to get the words and the digital format is fine, whether it's Kindle or whatever you prefer, um, it's usually 6 or $7 for a lot of his books. Like even his uh, most famous book, A Brief History of Time, that's $9. It's not going to break the bank for most people. Um, and then a lot of these are available in a library as well. So yeah, wherever good books are found, you will find these books. Um, and whether it's good or not, it's really up to you. But with regards to some of these questions, these are things that I've been thinking about a lot as well, um, primarily because I've really enjoyed science fiction and and physics and all this other happy fun stuff that is built on these questions like th these stories that we read um, or watch on tv or in movies like these these try and tackle these really big questions and i just wanted to look at a few of these and put my spin on it <laughs> and there's that word spin but um, just lay out some of my thoughts on what the answer could probably be or what the answer may be. So question one, is there a God? I'm not going to get into that. Number two, how did it all begin? I wasn't very satisfied with Professor Hawking's, um, he prefers to be called Stephen apparently, but I, I wasn't particularly satisfied with his answer because basically it's, well, I'll let you read it. Um, I disagree, but what do I know? I'm not, I'm not a super genius. Um, number three, is there an other intelligent life in the universe? Yes. Number four, and I can't provide 
evidence of that, but come on. Look at humanity. Look at how long we've been here and look what we have accomplished in just a couple thousands, a thousand years. And the universe is billions of years old. Mathematically speaking, there must be something else out there that is as intelligent or more intelligent or soon to be as intelligent as us. Anyway, number four, can we predict the future? No. Um, Number five, what is inside a black hole? I will leave that to Professor Hawking. Uh, Is time travel possible? Of course it is. We're doing it all the time. We're traveling into the future. Um, I I think what people, and I haven't read this chapter yet, but I think what people have, um, what people need to ask in order to be more specific, to be more precise with your speech, is, is controllable time travel possible? And the answer to that is, well, I don't know. I'm not a super genius. Um, Will we survive on Earth? Yes. We need to make changes, of course. We need to adapt as the planet continues to evolve and as we continue to evolve. But yes, of course, we will survive. Um, Should we colonize space? Yes, for lots and lots of reasons. Will artificial intelligence outsmart us? Uh, That depends on what you consider artificial intelligence, and that depends on how you see the value of a human. And number 10, how do we shape the future? There are lots of different answers to number 10, but the one that I really, really want to focus on is number nine, which I touched on, will artificial intelligence outsmart us? And a lot of people are very concerned about how advanced a lot of our technology has become. And this is something that we have seen time and again over history. People were concerned when steam engines were coming around because it eliminated the need for horses and oxes and things of that sort. We still need horses and oxen and all these other animals, but they're less beasts of burden now. Uh, we have machines doing all the heavy work, the plowing and milling and tilling and all the other things that we used to need brute force, like brute muscle strength to do. Like now we have these machines. And we've seen that for the most part, it's been pretty decent. Now, sometimes we see things that just frighten us. Um, and the... Uh, I can't remember the name of the company, Boston Dynamics, I think it is, the company that's been making robots that look and act like a dog in order to carry equipment um, into battle and things of that sort. And when people see that, it's bizarre. And so, yeah, we stand back because that's that's not what we expect from machines. And so we're all a little nervous and, and concerned when we see it. A lot of this also comes down to the movies that we've seen and the stories that we've told over time, where machines will eventually become more powerful than us, and they will over um, they, they will overcome the chains that we have put on them, so to speak, and then they will conquer us and take over the planet. Maybe this will happen, but the older I get, the less likely I think it is. Um, not in the Terminator sense, anyways. It's not going to be like that, where humans are eliminated in much the same way as people were in the Second World War and in the aftermath of the Second World War. We're not going to see killing fields like that, I hope. Um, But it also seems to be illogical from the point of a machine. A machine can certainly be taught how to do these things if there was going to be a a bad actor. A a nation state decides to make uh, robot armies to just go and wipe entire populations out. That's certainly possible. But I don't think that would be considered artificial intelligence. That would be like that. That's just programming. Like you can program a machine to do these things. There's a human kill it. Like it's, you don't need artificial intelligence to do that. 
unfortunately. Um, but will artificial intelligence outsmart us? I don't think this will ever happen. And let me explain why. Um, what is the value of a person? What makes a human a human? And it really comes down, It's the movies will say that it's our capacity for love, but it's more than that. Um, it's our ability to create. And until we have the ability to have a machine that's able to create, to make things out of nothing, and then iterate on it and build on it, until we have that, and we're a long way away from that, but until we have anything even remotely close to that, um, no, artificial intelligence will never outsmart us. They may be better at some things than others. Like, yeah, okay, they can play chess. They can play shogi. They can play go. They can take a look at chemical compositions and recommend new drugs and new compounds to solve things that a human may not have discovered for 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, they can do that. But these are mission-specific tasks. What can a person do that a machine can't? We can adapt a lot faster than any machine that we're aware of. We can create things that may not necessarily seem to have value at the beginning, but have incredible value in the long run. And we can create art. We can create music, a form of art, of course. We can, we can tap into these primal things that can make a person want to dance or sing or laugh. We can do all of these things. And I think a lot of people, myself included in the past, but I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. We don't appreciate the things that make us human. And so we think that intelligence is only the ability to handle math or um, solve complex problems. And yeah, that's a big part of what we define as intelligence, but that's not all there is to it. So we'll artificial intelligence outsmart us? Well, maybe they can think faster. They can do some things faster. They can offer solutions that we may not have ever considered because to a person, it seems absurd. But to a machine who doesn't know any better, they can offer something. And I really don't see how that is going to eliminate us. It's going to change our future, of course, because a lot of the things that people don't want to do will go away. People don't want to do hard manual labor. Who wants to clean toilets, public toilets? Who wants to do that? I don't think anybody really wants to do that. People will choose to do it for a paycheck, but nobody's doing it for free. People are doing it because they have to. Um, and so, yeah, we can have a machine do that. And okay, that means that somebody who may not be considered really intelligent, um, you know, compared to a university professor, somebody may no longer have that job and now they have to go find something else. And they were probably already struggling to make ends meet before their toilet cleaning job was taken away. But those are different problems. These kinds of problems, um, these kinds of problems are real problems. And yeah, we need to solve them and we need to solve them quick because we're going to have billions of people who have no manual labor to do um, and either not have the mental capacity to handle something more challenging or just 
there are a lot of people who just don't want to. And that's fair. Like, that's fair. We don't need to have everybody be um, a university professor or, or a software engineer or an architect or something where you are using a great deal of creativity. We don't need everybody doing that. It would be great. We don't need it. But will they outsmart us? Will machines outsmart us? The more I think about this, the less likely I think it is. We may become more symbiotic with machines, where we have the machines do the hard work while we do the thinking work. Like That's certainly feasible. That's certainly a possibility. But I highly doubt we're going to be replaced by machines completely. And even if they do outsmart us, well, it's a big galaxy. If they're not happy with us here, they're not, they don't need to live inside a, an atmosphere. They don't need a planet. They don't need this stuff that we are limited to. Um, they could head to another planet. And, you know, I know that's, that's very much science fiction. It's very much science fiction at this point. But there's no reason why we couldn't live symbiotically or you know, together, um, if machines did be- have some form of intelligence equivalent to, you know, like a four-year-old. Um, but I really don't see a Terminator-like thing happening. Unless, of course, unless a nation-state um, backs it and builds a robotic army with the sole purpose of killing all humans. Uh, even, even then, that's not necessarily artificial intelligence. That's just basic programming. Like, seriously, build a robot that has visual sensors, a couple of graphics cards so that you can recognize the difference between a human and something else, and mount some guns on it. It's a horrible thing to say, but for the state where technology is, it's not that difficult anymore, and that's not artificial intelligence. So, I know I repeat myself a lot, but... I really, really don't see us losing, so to speak, to machines anytime in the near future. There's a lot of value to being a human, and people who don't see that need to step back and look at what we've accomplished, all the good that we have done, and ask, how did we get here? And then, maybe then, maybe at that point, it'll be a little more obvious that there's a lot of potential And there's a lot of future for all of humanity.